Hey, thanks for joining us for the Celebration Church podcast. I have a quick announcement before the message starts. Starting February 16th, we're beginning our new service times at 9 a.m. and 1045. I encourage you, if you're in the area and you're looking for a church family, come join us Sunday mornings and we'll have the doors open, coffee ready, and we'll save you a seat. We'd love to have you and get to know you more personally. Well, now on to today's message. came through a season of, of prayer and fasting, and uh, we had one of the most powerful services that our church has ever had on a, on a midweek. Our, our worship and prayer night was incredible. Was anybody there? Absolutely incredible. And, um, and I just want to say, like, so we, we go through seasons where we talk about different things, and right now we're in the season of love, somebody. So we're going to talk about love, and, and I want to give you some ground rules before I get going, and here's, here's the ground rules. The first is this. Um, when I'm talking, don't hear this for somebody else. Don't be like, oh, this, I sure hope she's listening right now. (laughs) Or don't do that. Don't, don't be thinking like, don't be thinking like, oh, I hope they have a podcast so I can give this to my friend. No, instead for right now, what I want you to do is I want you to be thinking about how does this apply to me? Because sometimes I'll be talking to about dating relationships and the truth is I'm really talking about your marriage and sometimes I'll be talking about marriage and I'm really talking about you as a single so ask yourself what am I speaking to uh, about you don't don't put it off on someone else the next thing I want you to know for a ground rule is this um, don't look back to where you've been Okay, there's this simple biblical principle called grace and mercy. And if I state something today that you're like, ah, oh, that's uh, that. Unfortunately, I've already crossed that boundary. Uh, understand, uh, I'm not here to guilt you. I'm not here to point fingers. But w- what we do is we move from this day forward. Right. So from today forward, I, I'm going to choose to to allow God to lead my my relationships and, and uh, my sexuality. The Bible says that God makes all things new. So we don't need to sit and, and feel ashamed and guilted for what has happened in the past. We continue forward. And the, the next is this, and this is the third ground rule. Uh, I'm not going to pull any punches. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at, like, I, I can beat around the bush, but it's usually really obvious. So, so I'm just going to say what I think. And, um, and I'm, I'm praying that what I say comes from the word of God and also from the heart of God and from wisdom. And um, so, so I would ask you to kind of just go with me on that. And, and this is the third one. I'm just going to, this is the fourth, the fourth ground rule. And that's this. Um, some of it, and no pulling punches, some of it's going to get uh, a little, little more explicit. So we're going to be about PG-13 in uh, three weeks, or in two weeks. So that's on the February the 23rd. Um, and so I, I'm not saying that so you can keep your kids out. I'm saying that so you can make sure your kids are here. Because your kids already know all about this stuff and they're confused, right? They, they know more about human sexuality and relationships than you think they know. But the problem is they need guidance. They, they need wisdom. They don't need to be learning about this stuff from, uh, from TMZ and from YouTube personalities and from their friends. They need godly instructors and they need parents speaking into their life about what good relationships look like. 
And so I, I would encourage you, like if you think, no, nah, this is too much, that's, that's fine. But, but know that as for me, uh, the, one of the reasons I come back to this all the time is I want my kids to know what the Bible says about sexuality. So, uh, so here we go. Um, <clears throat> did you know that um, January 6th here in the Treasure Valley, according to Tinder, is called uh, the Super Bowl of Dating? January 6th is the Super Bowl of dating, and they, they said that this date is the Super Bowl of dating here in the Treasure Valley because so many people are, are making New Year's resolutions, that they will be better people, that they will uh, actually engage in relationships, and that they will put themselves out there for love. So more people uh, make a dating connections on online websites on January 6th in the Treasure Valley than any other date in the year because it's right after the New Year's, uh, the hangovers have worn off, and now love is in the air. <laughs> it's interesting, this idea of Super Bowl, because... Um, the, the, the Super Bowl of dating. When I read that, I just thought, ah, it's actually really appropriate because I, I, I watched the Super Bowl this year. Anybody else watch the Super Bowl? Uh, is, anybody, is anybody at your heart still broken that, that the Chiefs played the worst game they've ever played and they still whoop the 49ers? Like, <clears throat> all right, I'm just, just saying, just saying. Uh, <clears throat> but but, but it's, it, the Super Bowl was a lot of fun. It, it was a really good, and for the first time in years, they had really good ads. They were, they were funny. They were, they were good. Like, there was... Like there was one ad, I cried. Did you remember the, the real sad ad? With the, the, the married people and their old, you know, like they're, they're loving. And, and I cried not just because the ad was sad, but because my hometown was in the ad. Sitka, Alaska was in the, town, in the ad. I was like, come on, somebody. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And then uh, getting into the Super Bowl, it was good. And then all of a sudden, like halftime happened. And... And it was like, like, like all of a sudden, like I thought I knew what was going on, and then I realized I didn't know what was going on. Did anybody else feel like incredibly like, uh, I'm in the, like I'm paying, like I feel like I paid for a show I didn't pay for. <laughs> like this is not what I was, like I was expecting like, you know, like dancing sharks and panda bears or something, it was something fun. Uh, but, but it wasn't that, it was completely different. And, and for me, I, I felt uncomfortable because uh, I'm, I'm number one, I'm a, a guy that considers myself a, a godly man. Like I, I try my best to be godly, not perfect, definitely not, but I, I try to create boundaries in my life. And, and sometimes things like that just throw themselves at you. And um, I've also got kids in the room and I'm with other people and it's really weird. Not that it would be okay if I was by myself, but I'm just saying like, it was weird. <clears throat> Have you ever been in a relationship like that? Like you thought you knew what was going on and then all of a sudden you're like, what, who are you? Like, I thought I knew what was going on here, and it seems like you're, we're on a different page. Like, something's off. Something's not quite right. It's, this is that whole world of dating. It's this weird world of trying to figure out who you're with. Uh, it's, the online dating world is just incredible. Like, they, people put pictures of themselves on there that are not accurate. You know what I'm saying? They're throwing, throwing things up. Like if somebody says, like, I'm, I, if a woman puts on there, like, I'm 40-ish, what she really means is, like, I'm 49 and a half. <laughs> right? Like, like if a guy throws on online dating, he says, like, I'm 40-ish, he really means he's, like, 52. Like, that's, that's, what it, that's what it's going on. They say they're huggable. That means they're, they're probably not what their profile picture looks like. Right? That's, that's what that means. And if they say that they really like romantic candlelights, it means they're not the easiest person to look at. That's... Jesus, forgive me. 
But think about it. Like online dating, like the balance of fears is completely different. We, we got men that, that are they're, like their greatest fear when they're getting onto online dating. Their greatest fear is that she does not look like her profile picture. You know, like I am ruined. Like she, she, she does, she's not the same person in her profile. That, that's from 20 years ago. Like that's their biggest fear is that she doesn't look like that. A woman's greatest fear in online dating is that he's going to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I'm gonna, like we're, we're judging whether or not someone is going to like kill me based on a profile picture. Like, ah, he looks like a nice guy, right? You see, he looks like he's got a cat. He's got to be okay. No, that was your first warning. Like, that was the problem. And so we just take the jump. But here's the deal in our relationships. Um, the Bible says this. It says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Uh, when it comes to relationships, there's things that seem right, but the truth is, as you play those scenarios out, they lead down a path of destruction. Uh, you see this all the time. People trying to trying to fix relationships by doing things that actually make the relationship worse, right? Like, we're having trouble in our marriage. Let's have another child, right? Uh, I'm, I'm frustrated with my spouse, so let me find someone else to go find love with. Like, this is, these are things that, that create more problems. They don't help. They don't help. So the problem is we, we build our relationships on a foundation that is wrong. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've probably seen this illustration before because I think this is one of the biggest problems in our culture right here is we build our relationships on the wrong foundation. What happens with us is this. We think that being in a relationship with somebody is all about this one right here. Uh Come on, like this, and like this is this is great. This is fantastic. Physical, physical relationship is amazing. It's 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 a perfect. Like it's so awesome. But this is where in our culture, this is where we start. Like I just saw your profile picture. Let's go here. So what happens is we meet somebody, we, we have this physical interaction with them, it's, 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 uh, it's just amazing, you feel like Pepe Le Pew, you're like, ha, 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 you know, like, <clears throat> it's really stink, but you think it's love, like, ha, 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 blah, you know, you speak in French, you're like listening to Boys to Men again, like Brian McKnight playing in your car, it's like, like, this is where it gets, this is, this is where we start. But the truth is, I, I've been in ministry long enough, and I've had conversations with enough people, and I've counseled enough people to know that this may be where we start, but this is where all the scars come from. This is where all the pain comes from, is right here. And yet our culture says, if you want love, you go here first. And we've created this ability to just go straight to that. You, you, you can click on a website. You can swipe right and go straight there without having any other part of the relationship. 
And it creates an incredible amount of pain in our lives. And then what happens from there is, is we think, well, I need, to, I need to make this thing better. Like, I, like I, need to, I need to connect to this person more. And so what we do is we, we try to find another, the next level of relationship. And, and what we do is we usually go to this, this level right here of, of emotion. So we, we, in American culture, we begin with physical and then the next step is then emotional. We go to emotional. We put we put the emotional deal on there, and this is this is where we, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you're a teenager and you like sneak out of the house late at night and you steal the car because nobody else did that. Okay, so you like <laughs> <laughs> you remember that time when the cops' lights are flashing? Like <clears throat> no, but like the emotional. This is where this is where like the infatuation starts, and like this is this is where like. Like the physical is, is physical, but once the emotional side happens, it, it, like it's like something happens. It's like this glue that says, "Like I'm in love. Like I feel it inside. It's not just in my head. I feel it. It's we're in. We can feel love, and that's when we begin to think that love is this feeling. No, that's not love. That's infatuation. Infatuation lasts for six weeks to eighteen months. Like science, not preachers. Science. So what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to get infatuated, you're going to get emotional, and you're going to be on the phone. You remember like when back back in the day, we had phones that had curly cue lines that like, and you'd grab that thing and you'd stretch it across the living room because you only had like two phones in the house and you couldn't use the one in mom and dad's bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Like you pull that and shut the door and you like lean up against the door and you're just, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Oh, I miss you. Oh, I enjoyed seeing you so good in third third period. It was so awesome to see you. You look so awesome. Yeah, you look hot. I love you. I love you too. Talk for like three hours. You're like, okay, we're going to hang up now. Okay. On the count of three. Are you ready? Yeah. One. Two, three. Are you there? Oh, I love you. Like, like this, this is this is the emotional. This is this is fun. This is like this is the fun part of love is the feeling. And this is where love gets blind. Love becomes blind when we go to this emotional place. And it's actually intentional because for you to make your lasting relationship, you have to be blind. You're going to have to be blind to some characteristic flaws. You're going to have to. The problem is we go there first. So we go into the thing blind. We go into it blind. This is, this is not good. And so we're going into it with infatuation. I like to say it like this. Like we go into it like Thumper. You remember Thumper? Like his, his little leg just... It's because we allow this infatuation to happen early and then from then on we're blind and every choice we make is based on what we're looking for, a feeling. A feeling of love. And then we have this emotional thing for a while and it seems to be working and we think, well, I'm, I'm going to get to really know him. Like, I'm going to really get to know her. And uh, so we, we begin to figure out who they are intellectually, right? Like, it's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to start to know this person, get to know how they think. And <clears throat> obviously that didn't work out for them. <laughs> didn't work out well. It's the wrong foundation, somebody. <clears throat> 
this is the part where you realize, like, not only are you weird, but you're not who I thought you were four months ago. Right, like you begin to you, you begin to like talk to like you finally you, you still have this emotional thing and suddenly you're thinking like you voted for who? <laughs> you spent your money on what? <clears throat> right, your idea of a career is this? Right, like like no 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 like like this is what happens. We begin to discover who they are finally. But the problem is we've already been physical. We've already got this emotional connection. Uh, it's it's like this glue in our life. And now we're trying to get to know somebody, and and and, and we're, we're we're thinking like, how in the world am I am I going to to to, to build this relationship? So we, we go intellectual, and it could be psychological. We could just shorten it and call it psycho. <sighs> It's this weird area of relationships. A lot of us build our relationships exactly like this. We start out physical, we go emotional. Then we get to know them and we're like, this is not the person that I've met. So I, maybe, maybe the problem is we just need, I need to bring them, like we need to just hang out with other people. Maybe if we're around other couples, they'll change. Maybe we just get around other people, like my parents or whatever. Maybe that'll rub off on them, and maybe they'll become better people. And so we, we, we bring in this idea of social relationships. And so we, we think that somehow this is going to help the, the relationship status. If we, if we begin to find a group of friends, let's, let's go ahead and start going to, like, crafting nights together. Maybe if we go and uh, paint at one of these painting things, it's going to fix our relationship. It's going to help. Maybe we just get some good friends around it. And, <clears throat> and your parents are trying to support you by telling you that he's an idiot. Like, I just don't feel like they support me. No, they're supporting you all right. They're helping you. <clears throat> because they don't have infatuation. Because, they, because they're not glued to somebody. And so, and so you're wondering why everybody's against you. It doesn't seem to work out. None of your friends. You're like, he's got his friends and you've got your friends. And it's weird because you don't have the, it's like, you, like no couples that you're friends with. And like, what in the world? Well, the problem is, like, it's just you're building this whole thing wrong. And then we think, like, I know what will fix the marriage or the relationship. I, I know what will fix the relationship. Let's go get a priest. And let's get this guy to, like, lock us in before God. Because that's going to fix it. Like, let's, let's go get a pastor, and he's going to marry us, and this is going to fix everything. No, what's, what's going on is it's crushing you underneath all of this stuff. Like, let's, let's go ahead and let's go to church and guilt ourselves to death. See if maybe we can get guilted enough that it will fix our marriage. Like, it'll fix our relationship. And the problem is this. Like, we've built the entire thing on the wrong foundations. I see this time and time and time again. This is, this is just like it is, keeps happening over and over. And I think it's reinforced by things like what we saw on the Super Bowl that says that if you are a woman and you want love, you need to go crazy. Which honestly, I was really offended because of the fact that the Super Bowl is one of the largest events for human trafficking in the world. And that's the kind of entertainment we have. We wonder what's our problem. Our problem is the wrong foundation. Physical relationship is the wrong foundation. Somebody says, ah, it's just casual sex. There is no such thing. There's no such thing. The problem is when we, 
we go through it, it's all wrong. Solomon, in chapter 8 of the book of Solomon, Songs of Solomon, he says this. He says, do not arouse love until she's ready. I think often we go chasing something when we're not even in the right place in life for it. And, and, and somebody thinks, okay, here we go. Now, now the preacher's going to become the typical Christian prude that is against sex and against physical love. No, not at all. <clears throat> I think physical relationship is a gift from God. I think it was designed by God. I think it's part of your marriage. I think it's healthy. I, I think, in fact, I would say this. I would say based on what's going on there, you can see the, the big macro picture of what's going on in your relationship. Is someone being disrespected there? That's going on in the relationship. Is somebody being avoided there? It's going on in the relationship. We say this in like, we've got these weird ideas about relationships. This is in... Um, <clears throat> Battle Creek, Michigan, and I don't remember, I didn't write down the dates, but this isn't, I've always thought this is hilarious. It was in Battle Creek, Michigan, there was a, a, a medical physician who was trying to help people overcome physical attraction and the results of physical attraction. Uh, because he said this, he said, neither the plague nor war nor smallpox nor similar diseases have produced results so disastrous to humanity than the sex drive. And so what this guy did is he took a bunch of uh, <clears throat> uh, oats, and he took oats, and he took a bunch of corn, oatmeal and cornmeal, and he baked them together into little biscuits, uh, and he took these biscuits and then ground them back down into pellets, and then he would prescribe them to people because it was supposed to reduce your, your physical drive. The idea was this, that if, if you would eat his product, his name was Dr. Kellogg, And his right-hand man was a man named Mr. Post, who was a marketing genius. He believed that if you took these little biscuits, then Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, he would prescribe them to diminish your sexual drive. And this would, he believed that sexual drive was the cause of all cancer, of urinary disease, of impotence, of epilepsy, of insanity, of acne, of heart disease, of atrophy, of sleeplessness, loss of vitality, and visual impairment. And somebody said, Amen. <clears throat> And so Dr. Kellogg believed that, like, if you took a box of this stuff right here and you, uh, you pour it in a bowl, right, you get you some, some good old 2% milk. Anybody else 2%? Come on. Yeah, that's good stuff. Like, I can go non-fat for about a week. I like, I like. But you, you're supposed to take this. Because somehow the drive, that physical drive is bad. And so we're going to try to cure it right now. I'm just going to stare at my wife and see if this helps. <laughs> Nothing like milk in the beard, baby. It's not working. <laughs> it's not that good either. It needs some sugar. <laughs> The deal, is, the deal is, it didn't change anything. I'm still attracted to her like I was the day I met her, probably more. Kellogg's cornflakes, sorry, Mr. Kellogg, did not help because God designed us to go to that physical place. The thing is, we have to build it on the right foundation. We have to build it on the right foundation. And here's the foundation order 
If you want your relationships to work well, they have to go here. And you may say this, but pastor, I've already built it on the other foundation and it's already like this toppling mess and we're actually here right now hoping you'll fix it. And what I'm saying is rebuild it. Take it all down and rebuild it. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Are you looking for love? Are you looking for a soulmate? Are you looking for a companion that will be with you through thick and thin? I'm telling you, the way you get there is not through tender. The way you do that is you go ahead and you seek first the kingdom of God. You put the spiritual foundation in order first. When you seek God first, everything else in your life will come into completion. I would say that what that looks like is what you're doing right now, for starters, being in an environment where you're going to grow in your faith. I would say that looks like getting in a small group. Like I would say that looks like joining a team. Why, why do you always say join a team and join a small group? Because we grow when we're in groups. Because biblical theology is going to be taught in the groups and you're going to have relationships where people hold you accountable to what's going, what you're being, what you're learning So we begin on the spiritual side. I would say this to somebody, if you're single, I would say the first thing you need to do is not be looking for a mate. The first thing you need to do is get a secure walk with God. I would tell somebody today, if you're in here and you feel like your relationship is toppling over, stop trying to fix your relationship. Get your walk with God in order, and I promise it will change the dynamic. It'll change it. So get your walk with God in order. This is, I'm going to build the rest of this deal, but I'm going to do it through Genesis chapter 2 because I think in Genesis chapter 2, we see God's plan. Adam has a relationship with God. He's already walking in the cool of the day with God or the cool of the evening with God. But here's what it says in verse 18. And then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be Alone, I will make him an helper fit for him. Right now, people are like, I ain't no helper to nobody. <laughs> the word helper here is a Hebrew word, idzer. And if, if you speak Hebrew and you can tell that I have bad pronunciation, that's fine. But what the word, the word is used in other places in Scripture... So we can get an idea of what this word means fully when we look at this word. He says, I'm going to build someone that's a helper for you. This is the same word that's used in Psalm 121 when the scripture says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This word help here is the same idzer. It's, it's the same thing that God uses when he says, I'm going to make you a helper. God says, I'm going to create a, some, something that helps you. I'm going to come with, with help. But what kind of help are we talking about? It's, it's the same word that's used here in Psalm 89, verse 1. And it says this, I go to 89, Psalm 89. There we go. Uh, there we go. He says, I have granted help to the one who is mighty. Why does the one that's mighty need help? Another translation says it like this. I have granted strength. This is King James. I have granted strength to the warrior. 
So the type of help that God is talking about is a help of strength, and it's also this idea of of coming beside somebody. It's this idea of helping someone who is already strong. It's like this Hebrew language is kind of hard to understand sometimes, and and what's really going on here is is God is saying, I'm going to bring someone that's going to make you stronger. This is why Adam says, he says, this is at last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. What's he saying? He's saying she's bone, so she's strong and flesh, she's weak. He's saying this idea of like, like where I am strong, she's weak. And where she's weak, I am strong. And together we make each other better. It's saying like this, like she's the other half of me. Like like we go together like 2% milk and Kellogg's cornflakes. What Adam recognizes is this, is that who God is placing or or the the one that I'm looking for in my, my life is not just someone who fulfills me physically. It's someone that makes me better. Someone I am compatible with. He realizes we fit together. We fulfill each other. We encourage each other. We cover each other. We are better together than we are apart. So what does that look like? If we're looking for someone who's better together than we're, we are apart, then the next thing we would do is, is once your physical foundation is built, the next thing to do is then find someone who you're better together with than you are apart. And these next three phases, I'm going to show you how they do that. The next thing after you have a walk with God is you build a social relationship with somebody. You can tell who a person is by their friends. Don't you wish you'd known his friends before you got emotional with him? I'm saying you need to see them in their element. You need to see how they behave before they realize that you are crushing hard. <clears throat> but you don't understand, Pastor. I just, I just want to win him to the Lord. Like you can't out Jesus, Jesus. You know that. Like, we spend more time preparing to buy a house than we do preparing this kind of stuff. This is a much bigger decision than what kind of house you buy. So social, what do they look like social? Get them around your parents. Get them around your friends. If you're older, get them around your kids. What are the people that you love? What do they think of this person? Because they're not attracted to them at all. You want people that are not impressed with them to look at them and tell you in the eye whether or not they think this person has what it takes. Because at the end of the day, whatever you're seeing socially, it's going to be there magnified in 10 years. If there's already conflict with your parents, I promise in 10 years, they're going to split your relationship with your parents. If they're already pulling you away from your kids, I promise you in 10 years, you're not going to see your kids. All right, so somebody's like, I just came to church for excitement. (laughs) Thank you. All right, I'm preaching. I'm preaching the word. Here we go. Hey, this is important. This is important stuff. And the next one is intellectual. So after you've met somebody socially, now you need to figure out who they are in their head. Before you get physical, you need to figure out where they are, what they believe, what they stand for. You need to know what his credit score is. 
Because you're going to get in a lasting relationship with somebody that can't even rent a car. I can show you the world. No, you can't. You can't even rent a hotel room. Like, you can't, you're not going to show me nothing. Like, not going to happen. Like, like you, 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 you can't even get a plane ticket. You're not going to show nothing. Like, here's the deal. You need to figure out who they are intellectually. Does what they believe match what you believe? Does what you believe down here line up with what they believe up here? Because the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. And I've seen a lot of people who are married with people from other religions. And it is a hard road to walk. What do they think? How do they vote? Do they vote like you? What do they think about education? What do they think about career? Somebody's thinking, Pastor, why don't you tell us how you vote? And I'll say this, I'm Canadian. You don't know how I vote. I'm also American. I both. After this, phys- this uh, psychological piece or intellectual piece is, is in there, the, then you want to get emotional. The Bible says this, to, to guard your heart above all things. Oh, we try to tell somebody, like, if you would just, you know, just keep, keep your hands to yourself, you'll be fine. No, what you do is you guard your heart. Guard your heart. <clears throat> this is at the emotional place. This is, this is where we begin to, to value them. This is where we begin to express ourselves and begin to feel this thumper again. This is good. This is, this is important. <clears throat> I mean, this is where you fall in love with someone. And it's usually right here where someone says like, they'll say something like, like I want to get married. And I'll, I'll ask them like, why do you want to get married? I want to get married because I'm in love. That's the dumbest reason to get married. Because most of us think love is infatuation, and that fades in six weeks to 18 months. Your relationship must be built on something bigger than Thumper's foot. So we go into this emotional place. This is where we begin to fall in love, the phone calls. I would say today, if you're in a relationship and you feel like you're, maybe you're married and you just feel like you're just ships passing in the night, maybe what you need to do is go back to this one. Husband, maybe you thought that like, like you've arrived. No, it's not like a direction. It's a foundation and you have to work on the entire thing the rest of your life. What I'm saying, like for a husband, what that might look like is... Maybe encouraging your wife, maybe, <clears throat> maybe just listening to her, because if you don't listen to her, if, if you don't let her tell you about what's going on in her world, if you don't speak value to her, someone else will. Because affairs aren't about physical. Affairs are about emotional. And wife... Maybe you need to come back here and work on this one because for men, they don't really need to feel like they've been heard. They don't really need you to speak to who they are. Men just want you to know that they've done a good job. Tell them how good of a job he did. Tell them like what he does with his life matters. Why? Because if you don't do it, someone else is going to come along. And she's going to say, you did such a good job on that project. Like, oh my Lord. 
<clears throat> rebuild it. <laughs> it's like, honey, my pastor embarrasses me every week. I'm so sorry. Why do we do this? <clears throat> emotional. And once you have this emotional piece together, and it's under God, and you say, you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to do things right. This is going to be in godly order. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move forward under God. Then you bring in the physical piece. Adam says, she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. But then he says this. He says this in, in verse 24. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Words mean something. Words are important. And in the English dictionary, there's like 100 to 200,000 words. But in the Hebrew dictionary, there's about 7,000 words. So words have very specific meanings in English. They have very rich meanings in Hebrew, very broad meanings. And when it says they shall become one flesh, like, yes, that's talking about they should physically come together. But it's talking about something bigger than that because the Hebrew word for one is this word echad. Echad means oneness, being made of several parts, coming together as an integer. Two numbers coming together to make a singular number. This is what two halves coming together to make a whole. This is what echad means. It's the same word that is used in the Shema. This is the most important verse in all of Hebrew scripture. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Echad. He is one. This is the same passage of scripture that Jewish people would, would recite when they wake up, when they go to bed, when they gather to worship, when they, uh, they uh, experience Shabbat together, when they, when they study, they say this verse, when, they, um, when, they're, when people die, they say this word or this verse. Even when martyrs died, you, you would hear them uttering the Shema. Why? Because it's saying God is one. God is singular. It's this idea that central to the Bible is this idea that God is not many. God is not multiple. There are not more than one God. There, there are no, nothing else that sets itself up as a God is a God. There is only a God. There's one God. That's it, according to Bible. And, and there's this idea that in the same way that there's this centrality, that there's just one God, not many gods, that there is just this idea that there should be one person, not many persons in a relationship. That somehow our union together up here looks a lot like God's union in heaven. Like somehow the oneness of God looks like the oneness of a marriage. Like, like maybe it is that, that, that really uh, physical relationships and marriage really isn't about the marriage and it's really not about the physical relationship. Could it be that what's really going on is God is trying to say, I'm trying to show you how I am. Like when you are in love with someone and you surrender it to God and, I, and you become echad, one with them, I am showing you my love towards you. Could it be that the point of marriage is not tax breaks? Could it be that the point of marriage is so that we can show oneness to a broken world? Because
because we live in a world that is shattered, that is fractured, where everything is broken, everything is, is, is falling apart. And I want you to know that, that, that God brings us together. Our homes are broken. Our marriages are split apart. Our spouses are shattered when we offend them or, or betray them. And when marriage falls apart, we say it like this, I'm just picking up the pieces. And God says, no, I'm trying to show you something through marriage. Stop picking up the pieces. Be ichad. Be one. Marriage is supposed to counter all the brokenness in the world. Like your oneness up here is not supposed to be just, and it is a physical gratification. It definitely is. But it's supposed to be more than that. It's supposed to show the world what it looks like to not be broken, to not be fractured. What it looks like for things to be done right. And at the end of the day, Let's just get practical. You could be a rock star up here. But you got 23 hours and 59 minutes of a day left. The Bible says this in Genesis 2, 25. It says, and they were naked. And that man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. I want you to know that God designed sex. And as one of my professors said, yay God. <laughs> but it's not about the physical interaction. It's about showing us God's love for us. The Bible says this in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And so unless God builds your relationship, unless you allow the foundation to be built the way that God designs, I'm promising you right now, you're laboring in vain. You're going to be frustrated. It's going to be discouraging. Get back to the foundation. As a band would come... <clears throat> Here's my last minute takeaway steps. First is this. If you want this in your life, stop looking for the right person and start becoming the right person. You don't understand. I need someone that completes me. No, God is the only one that completes you. Another person will only create more conflict and more struggles. I don't care how good they are. They're going to they're gonna frustrate you more than they're going to complete you. This is why we got 45-year-old men running around stacking up physical partners in a logbook somewhere because they were never completed on the inside. This is why we have women who think that the only way to attract a good man is to mimic what they saw in Super Bowl. Become the right person. The next is this. Instead of falling in love, walk in love. Listen, folks. Love is not a ditch that you fall into. Oh, my God. I just fell in love. I don't know what happened. 
not what it is. Love is a choice. But you don't understand. I just feel love. No, no, no. The Bible commands us to love. He commands us to love. What's your point? My point is this. Can you command someone to have an emotion? Be sad right now. Be sad. Can't do it. Because love is not an emotion. Infatuation is an emotion. And infatuation is amazing. And I'm still infatuated with this girl. But love is a command from God. We walk in love. We don't fall in love. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another. It's a command from God. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. It is something you can be told to do. It is something you can choose to do. It is not something that happens to you. And the last thing I'm going to say is this. Instead of fixing your hopes and dreams on another person, fix all of your hopes and dreams on God. Freud diagnosed diagnosed the pain deep within humans as a longing for union with a parent. Carl Jung diagnosed the same longing as a desire for union with the opposite sex. But as Christians, we see an even deeper longing, a longing for a union with the God who created us. So place all of your hopes and dreams in God he'll fulfill you. Would you stand with me all across the room? Lord Jesus, we live in a broken world. We live in a society where this stuff is so confusing and it doesn't make sense. Lord Jesus, in this room, there are people who've been shattered because they built on the wrong foundation. Today, I'm asking you to do a work in our lives, to do a work in our hearts, to heal us. God, that you'd mend our relationships. God, I pray for our kids right now that they get this right. God, I pray for those that are searching for love that they would get this right, Lord Jesus, that they'd put you first and they wouldn't, search for another person to somehow finish them. But they would allow you to be the author and the finisher. Purify our minds. Here's what I'm going to do right now. Keep your heads down. Everybody across the room, heads down. If as ridiculous as this message was, there was a chord struck in you that says what I need the most is to get myself right with God. If that's you and you're saying, I just, I want to get right with God. Put your hand up. Nobody else can see you. Come on, I see that. It's so bold. I love it. Nobody else can see you. Put your hands up all across the room. I just want you, I want you to join me 
in this concept of repenting and believing. What it means is I'm going to turn away from the way I used to believe and think and behave, and I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. So join me. Say something like this. God, please forgive me. I repent. I'm turning away from who I used to be and how I used to think. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. And right now I'm putting all my hope and trust in him. Come, be the Lord of my life. Be my God. Come on, people. You should be excited right now because there's people who just gave their life to Jesus. That's the most amazing thing. Thanks again for listening to the message today. I know God has been speaking to some of you, working in your life, and I want to encourage you to take the next step. Respond to what God is doing, and if you're not sure what that is, bring someone into the conversation. We would love to help you with your next steps. You can email us, reach out to us on social media, or better yet, just come meet us on a Sunday morning. If you want to find out more, go to our website, thecelebration.church. On that note, let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.